I want to share something with you this morning, and just as I bring this before you today, I want to um, kind of lead into it. And I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 today. Eventually, I'm going to get there. I've got some ground I need to cover before I get there. So actually, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 4, Revelation 3, 2 Timothy 4. And um, if you want to find those places in your Bible, I would encourage you to do it. We were preaching last week in Grand Junction, Colorado with my great friend Daryl Turner. And Daryl was going up to preach. And I'm, I always strive to be very respectful to those that are preaching the word of God. And so I was, I was ready to just tune in and pay attention and just really be aware of everything that was going on. But as soon as that happened... I heard this word in my brain or in my spirit. I'm not sure. And it was the gate of God. And I heard that phrase, the gate of God. And I just kind of thought about that for a moment. And I thought about, well, what is this? Why am I thinking about that? What is the point of that? Now, you stay with me. And I just began to consider, you know, I heard it again, the gate of God. And I thought... I don't know that word. I don't use that word. I haven't heard that word in decades. It's just not in my vocabulary and it's not in the vocabulary of those I hang around with. So it's not a word that I know and understand. But I heard it again, the gate of God. And I just started praying, Lord, what is this? I'm, I'm not sure what is going on. And I believe the Lord said to me, you need to know the gate of God because my people are called to walk with me. And I'm running the last lap. I'm on the straightaway. And many will not finish with me. And I was stricken with that. Many will not finish with me. And I began to consider how the Bible talks about a great falling away. Before the rapture of the church. And the Bible doesn't say it'll be a few. It says it's great. Numbers fall away from the faith and from Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us in a time of persecution and struggle. Financial struggle. Physical persecution. There were those in Hebrews chapter 10 that were tempted to throw their confidence away. And maybe abandon the church because of what they were going through. And to try to have a soft life for themselves. A life that maybe would hold to Jesus. But also, you know, just get by with the world. And, and the apostle writes in Hebrews chapter 10. Don't throw your confidence away. It has great recompense of reward. Don't do this. Remember, 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 remember. And then I was reminded in one of the gospels where Jesus said, When I return to the earth, will I find faith? Well, I find faith in the earth when I return. What a question for Jesus to ask. He's talking about an end times church, right? Which we are an end times church. And Jesus is asking us, and what a statement that the Holy Spirit would record it in the Gospels. Well, I find faith when I return. Do we have faith? Are we tempted to throw our confidence away? What if things get hard? What if persecution increases? What if you have to recant your faith to keep your job? What if you have to recant your faith to save your baby's life? 
I know God is with us. I know he will bring us through. I know our promise and assurance of heaven is very real. I believe in a resurrection and an afterlife. But when I read Christian history, even in the Gospels, in the New Testament, in Fox's Book of Martyrs and things such as that, it's not pretty. It's not a pretty sight. The believers were believers and they died for their faith. And they even watched their children die in order to preserve their faith. That's a tough thing. I mean, who can do that without the grace of God? Without a relationship with God? Who can do that? But we're Americans and we don't think that way because that'll never reach us. And I pray to God it doesn't. I don't want it to. I pray to God it doesn't. But I heard that phrase, the gate of God, and I'm running the last straightaway and many will not finish with me. And so some of you are kind of on to this. The gate that I heard was G-A-I-T. The gate of God. And I wasn't familiar with the term. It's not that I hadn't heard it before. I had a very limited understanding of it. So I looked it up and it was the manner, not just movement of a, of a horse or an animal, but the manner in which the way a particular horse would step or trot or gallop or run. Now, I am not an experienced horse rider. And when I ride a horse, it beats me to death. Because I'm not into its gait, all right? And people that are experienced riders know how to go up with the horse and down with the horse. I'm coming down when it's going up. Beats me to death. And I, and I say that to you because the church in the last days, the gate of God... You need to know the movement of the Holy Spirit, not just the direction he's going in, but this task of end times Christianity. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And so there's a lot of weariness. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we are to lay aside every sin and the, and the weight that the sin that besets us and the cares and the burdens of this life, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, considering him lest we become weary and faint in our own minds. And so we need to look at Jesus because it's a very poss- great possibility of people fainting and just like, I'm too tired for this. This is too hard. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand Christianity was going to be this difficult. You know, but you need to know the gate of God. You need to know the movement of the Holy Spirit because even trying to keep up with him, trying to keep up with the work of the kingdom of God in the last days, it could just slap out, beat you up if you're not moving with the Holy Ghost because he's the one that you're called to walk with, live in, be filled with. And Jesus was. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, lived in the Holy Spirit, walked with the Holy Spirit. And so we're supposed to walk with him. We are to be led by him. And in the book of Galatians, when it says in chapter 5 that we are to walk in the Holy Spirit, it means to keep in step with him. It's, it's like a group of soldiers that are marching with their ser- sergeant, and they're all in step. It's not that they're just walking in the same direction. They're all taking the same steps together. And, and they march as that army of unison. And that's the way we're supposed to walk with the Holy Spirit. Or walk with God. The kingdom of God. Not so much the Holy Spirit. But the kingdom of God. Because I want to clarify this. That the gate of God is the Holy Spirit. 
He is the whole. That is the gate of God. That is the step of God or the movement of God is the Holy Spirit. The movement of God is not churches. It's not church boards. It's not church programs. It's not trying to understand, you know, how can we affect the culture? How can we affect the young people? How, that's, that's not the gate of God. That might be the gate of men, gate of religion, all these. But the gate of God is the Holy Spirit. And is walking with him and abiding with him and living in him and drawing our strength from him. And I just want you to understand it, knowing what he's occupied with. Knowing what he's running for. What is the Holy Spirit running for? Knowing where he is and what he's doing. Where is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? And many Christians would not be able to give a solid answer to that. You know, individually in their life. But I rejoice in this as far as it comes to the gate of God. The pace of God. The movement of God. His walk. His trot. His run. His gallop. I want to say this to you, which gives hope to all of us. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall walk and they shall run and they will not faint and they will not grow weary. A lot of Christians are weary. The task of Christianity is beating you up. It's wearing you out. And you've had about all that you can take. And I want to talk to you about the gate of God, the Holy Spirit. It takes love to follow Jesus. It really does. It takes love to follow him, to believe in him, and to believe on him. It's to be a life of faith, a faith that is alive. And so I ask you, where are you? Where is the Holy Spirit? Do you know? Do you see him? I mean, he's come to you as your companion. He's come to you as your teacher. He's come to you as your encourager. So where is he and what is he doing in your life? People in the end will be tempted to throw everything away. Hebrews chapter 10 again tells us that. There are many through the centuries who have believed in Jesus. Only to recant of their faith in order to save their lives. Or to spare themselves from suffering. But they really did believe in him. But the pressure got too great. Persecution was too intense. There was no end in sight. And it just seemed for them to be easier. To not walk with Jesus anymore. Not be an outward expression of a Christian. And maybe somehow we could do this hiding. The carnal church cannot keep up with the Holy Spirit. It cannot do it. God has called us to be spiritual people filled with the Holy Spirit and led by him. A carnal church cannot keep up with the Holy Spirit in the last days. It never has been able to and it never will. The Bible tells us, Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, in the last days there will be perilous times. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covenant breakers, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, very debating, very forceful and fighting and striving and all of these things but they will have a form of godliness but they will deny the power thereof and I would sum that up y'all look at me I would sum that up as a last day's problem not a lack of religion but a lack of power a lack of the Holy Spirit in our life because the power of God is God 
And so if we have a form of godliness, but we're denying the power, we're denying the life and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, nobody would admit to that. I don't think many Christians would say, oh, that's me. I deny him every day and I get along with it just fine. I don't think you would say that. But how many times do we do that on the basis of our behaviors and our thoughts and our expectations of God? It's a lot easier to look like you walk with God than to actually walk with God. It is a lot easier to convince people that you're close to God than to actually be close to God. And in the last days, that's exactly what is going to be going on. You know, I thought the collapse of the United States my whole life was going to be the rapture of the church. That's what I thought. America's a Christian nation. And the thing that's going to bring America down... Is going to be the rapture and millions of people are going to suddenly vanish from the United States of America. And people that are strengths and pillars within our walls of, of schools and education and politicians and all of that are going to be suddenly gone. And it's just going to cave in. Well, I sure don't believe that anymore. I say this to us as a church. I'm astonished to find the collapse and the result of this government collapsing has been the compliance of the people. Not only people that are without God, but more particularly the compliance of religious believers consumed with the cares of this life. And we see things happening. You know, I'm reminded when they came to arrest Jesus and he had asked Peter, James, and John to pray with him. And, and then he went a stone's throw further to go pray. And they couldn't even pray for an hour. And Jesus would come back and check on them to find them sleeping. And he would wake them up and he would ask them to pray. And then he'd go pray again. And this happened a few times. And then the last time, well, the people came to arrest Jesus. And so there was no more going back to prayer and waking up his disciples. They all woke up. And here's a Peter who couldn't pray for an hour, but he could pull his sword out and cut a man's ear off. And that's the way a lot of Christians are. We're worried. Our liberties are being taken. Our rights are being taken. Our freedoms are being taken. Our world is changing. Marxism's progressing. We're scared about what's happening. We've got cargo ships that can't dock. We're, going, we're not going to get supplies. We've got trouble going on. We might lose our job. For, it's time to fight. We're wanting to raise political awareness. But nobody's interested in a prayer meeting. But we're ready to fight. We're ready to pull our swords out and combat this thing, you know. But... Where's, where's the body of Christ that's moving with the gate of God, which is the Holy Spirit, who's bringing us into the presence of the Almighty God, where we can prevail spiritually. And yes, do things also in the natural in our country where we can, and where we can raise our voices and be heard. We need to do those things, but not at the exclusion of not allowing God to hear us speak in our prayers and in our desires and in our longings for God. This is very consuming and concerning to me to understand what is going on. Jeff was sharing this with me this morning, and I asked him if I could copy it. This is a report from George Barna in his book, American Worldview Inventory 2021 through 2020 through 2021. This is an annual report on the state of world, the world of worldview in the United States. 
What's the worldview in the United States? Now, this is astonishing. It's really not, but it is. It is because it's supposed to be, but it's really not. Of those who self-identify as Christians, only 9% have a biblical worldview. Of those who self-identify as Christian, over half believe their salvation is earned. Those who are born-again Christians who claim to have received Christ as their Savior and believe they'll go to heaven when they die, only 19% of them have a biblical worldview. Those who are born-again Christians, only 48% of born-again Christians, less than half of born-again Christians believe that moral absolutes exist. That biblical morality is a thing to be honored. Of born-again Christians, 69% believe that God is the basis of truth. And of born-again Christians, 70 or 31% do not believe God is. Those who identify as Christians and even those who are born again are fatally vulnerable. To what Jesus warned us about in the last days, which is deception. And deception doesn't just come from pulpits. It comes from the TV. It comes from science. It comes from medical fields. It comes from professors and schools. It comes from every arena you could possibly imagine. Deception comes. And the majority of born-again believers are fatally vulnerable and goes on to say, which I agree, they are not simply vulnerable. Most have already fallen victim to believing the lies sown by the enemies of our Lord. Wow. When I think about this report, I think about the rapture of the church and I think about in Thessalonians where it says, you would not believe the love of the truth that you might be saved. I I believe this book from cover to cover. I believe in the spirit of truth. I believe the Holy Spirit wrote it. I believe it's I believe it's morals or absolute. I believe that God is the one that dictates this and the one to whom we will stand before and give an answer to. Whether you believe in him not in this life or not, you're still going to stand before him and give an answer to him. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you're going to stand before God in judgment at some point, hopefully as a believer, not to be condemned to hell, but you will be, you will be ushered into his kingdom because of the salvation of Jesus Christ. But the world is in a tragic state, and Christians, for the most part, are not much better off than the world right now. And yet many people are saying, Lord, Lord, but he doesn't know them. And they're not in a relationship with him. And this, this is really concerning. So when we talk about the gate of God, I want you to understand that the pace is picked up. The pace of God's kingdom is picked up and the Holy Spirit's pace has picked up. And one of the ways we can know that is because the pace of ungodliness has picked up. The pace of sin has picked up. And where sin abounds, what else happens? 
grace much more abounds. So as you see this world and its pace picking up to an antichrist system and a godless system, then I can assure you that the kingdom of God and its pace is picking up and it is moving in its momentum. But the sad fact is Christians have not. They have not picked up the pace. These possibly are the scoffers that Peter said would come in the last days and say, you know, our fathers all said these things were going to happen. But since our fathers, nothing new ever takes place. And there's a lot of Christians with that mentality. How has the prayer meeting in America been so emptied over the last many decades? We can fill an arena for Trump, but we can't fill a prayer meeting. These are some serious issues. Pastors can go before their churches and say, the most important meeting we have is our prayer meetings. We must gather and we must pray and we must seek God and we must pray collectively. But still, the lack of attendance is astonishing. I'm astonished at how rapidly things have changed in my world in the last five or ten years. I'm astonished at the pace at which things have changed. And yet the church, for the most part, has not changed at all. Attendance has not changed. Tithing has not changed. Prayer meetings have not changed. Not much has changed at all. I don't understand how Christians can ignore the kingdom of God and its movement in the earth by staying home and not gathering when we have been so clearly warned in the Bible to not forsake this assembly. I don't understand it. Surely the Holy Ghost is out and about in the world. That's the gate of God. He's he's not confined. He's moving. And may to God the church move with him. Because I can tell you Satan's out and about in this world. Can't believers see the times that we're in? Can't you feel it? Can't you identify it? Can't you understand the severity of the hour? Can't you understand the crisis Something unique is in the world, and it's been in the world for quite a couple of hundred years or more, or a lot more, and that is called the United States of America, and it's a form of government by the people, for the people, through the people, that has really been an anomaly among world history. This is something that is very, that's what's unique. It's not the fact that we might first face persecution. It is the fact that we've lived in freedom this long without it. That's the real surprising thing. And to think that these things may not come. And that's why I was so desperate to run with God. To run and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I want to finish this race with Him. I want to walk with Him. And beloved, I say this to you. If you've wasted your life up to this point. The Bible so beautifully teaches us. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And maybe you haven't run well, and maybe you haven't been occupied with God, and maybe you've got a life of sin, and you've got a life of abuse, and a life of pain, and a life of, a life of wasted years. Then this is your day. This is your new beginning today. To walk with God, and to run with God, and to let everything change. I just made a list of things that I could think of, of how the world has changed in the last ten years. When I read this, I do not understand for the life of me how prayer meetings are not full. Within the last 10 years, we now live in a world where a boy can be a girl and a boy can be a, a girl. What did I say? A boy can be a girl or a girl can be a boy. And if you disagree with it, you're going to be brutalized by this world. If you stand against it, 
If you make a remark against it, if you do not accept it by this accepting culture, this accepting culture will brutalize you. Babies can be aborted at birth. There's partial birth abortions now. We even watched, I watched over the last few years, governors in various states talk about aborting a baby after it's been born and the cord has been cut and it's living a viable life on the table. The mother and the doctor can still decide whether the baby will live or not. Children can change their sex. Biology is no longer relevant. Speech is no longer relevant. Parents who protest critical race theory or mask mandates are called domestic terrorists. But BLM and Antifa who murder cops and burn down cities are not. We've seen the absolute injustice of political power and they seem to get away with everything. We watched over the last few months a general in our country guilty of treason and he's not even fired. Politicians are promoting Marxism, and Marxism is sweeping America. The global world politic is of one mind, a very unique situation, and they're all talking about a global reset. A one-world religion headquarters is underway right now, led by the Vatican. Look how travel has changed, and look how travel is going to change even more in the future. All of the numbers of cargo ships that are in the oceans on both coasts and in the Gulf that are, that are docked outside because they can't come into the docks because maybe one person on the ship has COVID or because they can't hire workers because the government pays them enough to not work, then businesses can pay them to work. I believe it's strategic from the politicians. I think the masses of humanity in America don't have any idea what's about to hit us. You go to the stores today and look how empty the shelves are. Businesses cannot find people to work. There's been a radical transfer of wealth. People who are not vaccinated or being fired are called haters and murderers. We've lost the First Amendment. We've lost private property. We've lost the right to assemble. Today, a mayor can make an executive order and Christians will treat it as law when it's just an executive order. Restaurants and stores are closing because the government gives people more money to do nothing than to work. And we were traveling around in Colorado and I I took a picture of this. I saw numerous signs like this on businesses. Businesses closed everywhere. And this was the statement that this shop owner put, very similar to other ones, but this is what she said. I had to close for the season because of staffing shortages due to a lack of workforce housing in this valley. How will our businesses survive without employees and how will our town survive without businesses? And it's happening here. They're not going to let you know that, but it's happening here more and more and more. Look at the dealerships. Look how empty the car lots are. If you wanted to go buy a car, look at the depletion of items in the store. Imagine the increased inflation when you're trying to get what you want now and how much things are going to cost. You saw the lumber crisis. You're going to watch the energy crisis. You're going to pay a lot more for your electric bills than you've been paying. Look at the gas crisis. Look how it has been climbing. The crisis on the border. The militia crisis that's on our homeland. 
I believe this. You haven't heard anything talked about war or warfare or military strategies being waged against America on American soil. I, I, I could just see in my mind militia crossing our southern border. I'm not talking about terrorist cells in an apartment complex. I'm talking about full-blown militia crossing over our southern border, attaching themselves to protest where tens of thousands of people might be trying to protest or even rioting. And from that, killing thousands of people and blowing up cities because they're not going to be dressed in the conventional military garb, but they're going to look like us and move among us and do all of these things. And Christians are nowhere to be found. Their prayer meetings are empty. Believers experience conviction and we make vows to God. I'm going to change. Things are going to be different. I'm going to have a right mindset. But according to 2 Timothy 3, we have no power to do it. We have the form of godliness and the desires. I don't know if you're aware of this because our news is not telling you the protests and the riots that are going on around the world. I'll just name a few. I'm not talking about small protests. I'm talking about tens of thousands of people in these cities protesting the COVID lockdown, protesting vaccination mandates and so forth. Vienna, Switzerland, Germany, Rome, France, Italy, Australia, Israel, New York, Austria, Belgium, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Georgia, Hungary, Ireland, the Netherlands, Spain, Tripoli, Toronto, New Zealand, to name a few of countries that are experiencing tens of thousands of people that are rioting. And I, I, I was just given this a report from the news that the, in Germany, the state is now allowing food stores to ban the unvaccinated. And this is the world that we're living in. And for the most part, Americans don't know these things. So now to the heart of my message. First Corinthians chapter four. I want you to read this with me. I want you to see it. In verse 16, Paul says this. Wherefore, I I beseech you, I beg you, be ye followers of me. So here's here's the the great apostle Paul saying, be followers of me. I I would say that Paul was in the gate of God. I would say he was in the movement of the Holy Spirit. I would say he was a man like us, not perfect. But he was a man who was occupied with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. And God was able to use his life greatly. So here's a man saying, be followers of me. Now, I don't know about you, but my ears perk up, my heart launches forward and I say, okay, I I, I want to know what your life is. And so he talks about it, beginning in verse 8. Now you are full. Now you are rich. You have reigned as kings without us. He's sarcastic because he says, I would to God you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. For we are a show, a theater, a spectacle to the world, and to angels, and to men. I beg you, be followers of me. That's what I'm hearing when I read this. I'm hearing this. I'm not, don't strive to be rich. Don't strive to have this authority in the world like you reign as a king. You just strive to walk with the kingdom of God. 
We are fools for Christ's sake. That word fools means stupid and absurd. And here's the apostles that says, be followers of me. So Paul is saying to Lee Ship, I want you to follow Jesus Christ to such a degree that you appear stupid and absurd for your life of faith. Be a follower of me. That's hard to do. Who wants that, right? We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. He's being sarcastic. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. And so you look at Paul's life, and he says we're weak, we're fools for Christ, we're despised by the world. How many of you want that? I'm talking about walking in the gate of God. You have your choice to live however you want. This is what the Apostle Paul said his life was. I'm weak, I'm despised, and I'm a fool for Christ. And if you call yourself a Christian in today's world, you're a nut anyway. You're crazy. They're ready to lock you up. So just be done with it. Come out the closet. (laughs) Even unto this present hour. Are you ready for this? It wasn't his choice. It was just the way life fell for him. To this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and buffeted and have no certain dwelling. Wait a minute. I thought this was my best life now. Uh, This isn't what I signed up for. Are you kidding me? Uh Uh-uh. Hungry, thirsty, naked, buffeted. I'm a homeless person. No way. This isn't the Christianity that I want. And I pray to God it's nothing any of you ever have to experience. But if that becomes the gate of God for us, can you run in it? Can you walk in it? Or are we too weak? Too carnal to keep up with God. And we labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer. Would to God that was in the church world today. Because I can promise you this. The majority of Christians in the church world today are not following Paul's example. People are, I'm offended. I'm upset. I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't like the way you treat me. I've got an issue about the nursery. I've got an issue about the prayer meeting. I've got an issue about how long the preacher preaches. I've got an issue about the music. And it's like, you know, the, 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 the discontent, the, the immaturity, the babyishness that, that goes on in the church because we walk with offended feelings and hurt feelings. And all that comes out of that is when that hurt touch, you begin to bite the person that's touching you. And another offense builds up in another person. And where does it ever stop? At the cross. Where you begin to bless and you begin to love and you ignored me. Oh, you ignored me. You know what I'm going to do because you ignore me? I'm never going to ignore you. Wouldn't that be good? You gossiped about me. So you know what I'm going to do about you? I'm going to cover you. Because I want to walk the way of Christ. That's how Paul lived. Being revived, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world. And are the offscoring of all things unto this day. I don't write these things to shame you. But as my beloved sons, I warn you. And beloved That's what I'm doing today. I don't want your blood on my hands. I'm warning you to live a life in the Spirit. I'm I'm, I'm warning you to get close to the Holy Ghost. 
I'm warning you to deal with your spiritual anemic life if it is. I'm warning you to deal with your spiritual coldness. I'm warning you to deal with the callousness of your heart. I read a list of things that have happened in our country over the last five or ten years. And you guys know that these things are true. At least 90% of them are true. You know that they are. And we're so calloused we can't even cry. We're so desensitized to it. So I'm warning us that I want to be stirred up by the Holy Ghost that these things affect me. They affect my life. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I beg you, be ye followers of me. And I'm not even asking you guys to follow me because I'm pathetic. So follow Paul. Follow, follow this, follow, follow what he said, all right? And I want you to read Revelation chapter 3 with me. And he tells us this to the, in verse 14, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write this. These things saith the amen. And it reminds me somewhat of the church at Corinth that Paul was sarcastic with. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and maybe you are today, maybe you're lukewarm. And maybe you'll be okay today with your lukewarmness. Maybe everything will be okay, and you'll get through the day, and you'll sleep good tonight, and you'll wake up tomorrow. But maybe tomorrow you'll wake up in a different world, and your lukewarmness is not going to cut it. And so he says, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. But you say, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But you don't know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried with the fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness does not appear and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. God, rebuke me and chasten me and be zealous, therefore, and repent. Thank you for the gift of repentance, God. I thank you that there's repentance and grace. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. They've shut Jesus out. And it's his church. They've shut him out. He has to stand at the door and knock and ask him to open it so he can come in. And then he says in verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and I'm set down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Do you hear? Do I hear? I want to hear. The last scripture is in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I just very quickly, and then I'm going to conclude this. It's not even 12 o'clock. Wow. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Now, this was the man who said, I beg you, be followers of me. Is he worth following? Here's the end of his life. And this is what he writes before they take his head off. Verse 6, 2 Timothy 4. I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I do believe our departure is at hand. Maybe not in the way that Paul went, 
Maybe in the way that Paul went. I don't know. I just know that it's ending very quickly. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I would say he ran in the gate of God. I would say he knew the movement of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit. And a life that walked in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not a theological Belief that he had, but a personal friend in his life. And then he says this for me, for you. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. I do love his appearing. Man. I hate my lack of discipline. I hate my shallowness and my immaturity. And it's the knowledge of him coming that shakes me up every day. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And look, he may not rapture us in our day. But he's going to do it to somebody. Why not us? And what if it is us? And I believe according to the signs of the times and the global things that are happening, I believe it will be us. I believe that. And if we're around in 50 years, you can point your finger at me and say, Lee, you were wrong. I hope I'm around in 50 years. But you can't do it till then. I fought a good fight. Some of you guys aren't even fighting. You're not even fighting. Powers of hell are at work. Children have been taken over by the culture of this world. The majority of born-again Christians do not hold a biblical worldview. I'm not speaking ignorantly. A lot of the church has not even fought. And I've finished my course. Some of you guys don't even know what your course is. But he wants to tell you. And it doesn't matter how you start. It's how you finish. It's how you finish. And what will people think? What will people say of me? Let them think I'm a fool for Christ. Let me be a spectacle to the world. Let them despise me for they despised him. And I love him. Let that be the lot of my life. Let me never have a mega church. But dear God, please let the people that I get to pastor go to heaven. Let me preach a true gospel and a true word and the true counsel of God. So that at least the people I preach to go to heaven. Not 90%, but 100%. God, save them all. You don't know how I pray for you. You don't know how I intercede for you and your children. And I watch parents today. I watch them. They they don't give their children the opportunity to walk with Jesus. They give them the opportunity to know Jesus, but not to walk with Jesus. We give them the opportunity to walk in this world and be successful in this world. There's nothing really wrong with that. But it is if it excludes Jesus and my ability to let my children walk with Him. 
in Sunday school, in church, in ministry, in choirs, in worship services, in mission trips, in outreaches, in evangelism. I want my children to see God every day, all day. I can't make them walk with him, but I can sure put them where he is. I don't understand it, but I want you to make it. And you need to walk with God and in the power of the Holy Spirit. I I say this to you. I'm not saying I'm closing. I haven't said that yet. I said last scripture. Listen to me. I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And that is the gate of God. That is what it is to walk in the Holy Spirit. A spirit-filled believer cannot walk in fear and in the Holy Ghost at the same time. And fear is coming. You haven't seen anything yet. And He gives us power, love, and a sound mind. And that's what we walk in. And Jesus... And I'm not going to ask you to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. He gave a word at the end of Revelation. Chapter 21, verse 8. Listen to this. But as for cowards and unbelieving and abominable, those who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality and murderers and sorcerers, Those who intoxicate themselves with drugs and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions and all liars who knowingly deceive and twist the truth, their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But he that overcomes, he will inherit all things. And who is he that overcomes? Amen. He that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The overcomer is the one with faith. Not a confession, but a faith that has altered the life. That wants to be a fool for Christ and wants to be despised by the world if that's the way it's got to go. And if I have to be beaten, naked and hungry and homeless to follow Jesus Christ, if that's the way it's got to be, then God somehow is going to take care of me. God help me because I am a big baby. But if that's the way it's got to be, it's got to be that way because I'm not going to turn from him. Help me, God. Because I will turn from him. I won't finish this race. I won't fight the fight. I will not keep my faith unless God gives me the power. I'm talking about me. I won't do it. I'll save myself every time. I even do it now when it's not life and death. And so do you. Some of you haven't even read the Bible every day. Hardly said a prayer this week. And you'll die for Jesus? You can't die for somebody that's not real. 
Somebody you're not intimate with, somebody you're not in love with, and that's the gift of the Holy Ghost. He gives you that love and that power. But this one thing, Jesus said, the fearful, in Revelation 21.8, the fearful will not enter the kingdom of God. Fearful of those who are cowardly, who do not overcome in the good fight, who have the spirit of fear. Those who fear the those who through fear of man are not bold for God or draw back. Hebrews 10. Those who for fear of losing their life or their property either refuse to receive the Christian religion, though convinced of its truth and importance, or having received it in times of persecution, gave it away, not willing to risk their lives. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know who I need right now. He that overcomes shall inherit all things. The whole creation shall be laid open to his enjoyment. I will be his God and he shall be my son and my heir, the inheritor of my eternal kingdom. Yes, and a joint heir with my only begotten and well-beloved son, Jesus. But the fearful and unbelieving who have not courage to face the difficulties which an open profession of this Christian religion requires... And therefore do not overcome and the abominable, all who indulge themselves in abominable vices to gratify their lust and murderers of the body, the soul and the reputation of their fellow creatures. And if this commentary was written, had it back then to probably put Facebook and social media in there with all that gossip and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. So how is it, Peter? When you stand before the government that just beat you and told you, the governmental power told you to not be the church of Jesus Christ, to not preach in the name of Jesus. Peter says, whether it be right in the, spirit, in the sight of God to hearken to you more than God, you judge it. But we cannot speak the things which we have seen and heard. They left from there and went to a prayer meeting. And they received power from the Holy Spirit to keep preaching Jesus. And the government takes them again and catches them. And says to them, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And Peter and the apostles and their descendants in 2021 still say, we ought to obey God rather than man. And God help us. God help us. God help us. Stand with me. Stand with me. Why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Why do we fight with the beast of Baton Rouge? Because Jesus is raised from the dead. And death is swallowed up in victory. I do not say this bragging. Please hear me. I don't say this boasting. Please, please hear my heart. I say this because of the effect that it has within my life right now. My faith will not allow me to be unbelieving. 
in this hour. It possesses me. Church, I'm running as hard as I can. I want to walk with God. I want to walk with His kingdom. I want to be in the gate of God. I do know this in regards to races and finish lines, that when you're coming to the end, you're running as hard as you can possibly run on that last stretch. And I can tell you the gate of God is moving. It is at a full pace. And I want to move with Him and I want to walk with Him and I want to run with Him. And I want to feel His power surging through my life. I'm not encouraged or discouraged to trust in Jesus by the way the church or the world treats me or mistreats me. Do you understand that? Please listen to me. Please listen to me. People watch it. There are people that you've been taken out of church because of the way people treated you. The offenses that have come against your life. The pity, the hurt, the pain. People have been taken out of church because of that. I was mistreated. and I don't go to church because you treat me well. I go to church because I love him. And I, I go to church because I want to treat people well. And I might be abused by a hundred people, but I want to love that hundred people. I want to serve that hundred people. I don't go to church because people accept me. A lot of you don't. You're scared of me. I have no idea why. But I don't go to church for you to accept me. I want to come and accept you. I want to walk with God. I want to see the kingdom of God run through this earth and run its circuit and finish its course. And I get to be a part of that. And I want you to be a part of that. But whether you do or not, I will. But I don't say that in my flesh or my carnal self. I say that with all of my hope and my desperation in the power of God's Holy Ghost and His grace. Because if left to me, I will quit today. But God holds me. And God keeps me. And we're not of those who turn back. So I ask you this morning, please, please, maybe you're not accustomed to coming to altars. We'll do something different. You know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Thinking you're going to have a better result. So, do something different. Get a hold of God. Let God get a hold of you. Hey, could you cry when I listed the things that have happened in America in the last 10 years? Could you cry? Did it hurt your heart to hear it? Are you desensitized to it? You're callous to it? Ask God to give you a fresh heart. Ask God to give you a fresh heart. Ask God to give you a heart that cries and weeps and be touched and can be affected by things and the hurting and the suffering of people around you. What about your spirituality? What about your walk with God? What about your intimacy with the Holy Ghost? Are you really spirit-led? Let Him lead you now. He's speaking to you now. Let Him lead you now. If you can't do what the Holy Spirit wants you to do in a church, how are you going to do it in a world? So let's honor him this morning. Guys, this is a little bit different today. I make no apologies for it. I'm convicted to warn you. He's just about through. He's just about through. It's time to get everybody in. It's time to get in stride with the Holy Ghost. It's time to deal with your heart, your spiritual life, your carnal self. You know if you have a form of godliness and denying the power of it 
And I don't care if you can speak in tongues. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the power of God in your life. Power of conviction. Chasing. Rebuke. Healing. Encouragement. Life. Like a father to a son. Oh, love you, Jesus. Come on, let's just begin to praise him right now.